Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Phone lines are open if you want to chime in. 833-804-0910. 833-804-0910. So the Commanders face off against the Chicago Bears, just like they did last year on Thursday night football. Last year it was in week six. This year comes uh, week five. But the Commanders... Stole that victory late, 12-7. to uh, I thought they should have won the game easier, but, man, Justin Fields had a great drive down the field and almost scored. Uh, Benjamin St. Juice was able to knock the ball out of the receiver's hands, basically as time expired and the Commanders would win 12-7. to The spread is now 6.5 for the Commanders' Week 5 game this season against the Bears. Moneyline Bears. Uh, plus 240 commanders, minus 300, over under set at 44 and a half. And here's my take Ron Rivera has got to get these guys to just keep grinding. Just keep grinding. It is a long season for the commanders, but they're two and two through the first four games, through the first quarter of the season. Got to feel good about that. The next four could be season defining games. You're home against Chicago, at Atlanta, at New York, and then home against the Philadelphia Eagles. If you want to chime in, phone lines are open, 833-804-0910. Let's go to line one. Is this uh, Trayvon and Henrico? What's up? You're on the fan oh, with yeah, Awad. How you doing today? I'm good, man. Uh, yeah. Uh, one of the things I do on the toilet is use my phone, and Twitter is one of those things, but it's a little uh, R-rated for me to say on the, on the, on air. Like, why? <laughs> What, I don't know. Anyway. What are you saying? Are you looking at naked women? <laughs> Is that what uh, you're admitting to I, I right like now? To fifth, <laughs> nah, I like to use my Fifth Amendment right in that. <laughs> <laughs> Man, so do you feel like a disgusting person when you're sitting on the toilet, you're letting them rip, you're farting up the bathroom, and you're on your phone? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the bathroom is, is just yeah that 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 number two that comes out is like a number twelve or something like that because it's not it's terrible. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm with you, man. It, <laughs> I appreciate you chiming in. So many people uh, didn't want to admit it, but we got a few callers. Thanks for chiming in, man. Appreciate it. Right, you're welcome. Have a great day. Yep. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM. All right, it is 1 p.m. We've been having a lot of fun with the toilet talk here, but it's time to talk about the toilet bowl. That is the Chicago Bears against the Washington Commanders here on the Richmond Commander. It's time for the Richmond Commander. Are you ready for some- The phones are open. It's your chance to be the quarterback of this segment. There's something I like to say. Every day at 1 p.m. on AWOD Radio, the Richmond Commander. All right, Stubb, I hope you're keeping track. That's two poo-poo calls, zero commander calls. 833-804-0910. We're talking about a 2-2 two two football team. What do you think about their chances on Thursday night? Sam Fortier had a great article in the Washington Post. The highs, the lows, and the lessons of the commander season so far and look I told you guys we knew there would be highs and lows it's always a roller coaster when you have a young quarterback but to me I'd say there's been a lot more shine than struggle more smile than frown more happiness than pain but man that Bills game was definitely painful Ron Rivera said quote we're growing developing we're in a good spot it's still early in the season 
And we got an interesting game coming up Thursday against the Chicago Bears. Sam Fortier points out Howell's progress. The first-year starter has thrown jaw-dropping touchdowns and held, 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 held the ball looking for more of them. <laughs> That's a great quote right there because it feels like sometimes when you're watching Sam Howell, it's like, all right, you're holding it, you're holding it, you're holding it, just throw the ball. But more than anything else, the first four games have proved his toughness, physicality, mentally, and resilience. Uh, Howell unraveled against the Buffalo Bills and then bounced back the next week, leading a two-minute drive comeback against the one of the league's best defenses on the road. Washington has bet big on Howell's continued rapid growth. Uh, Ron Rivera said, quote, as Sam goes, I think we'll play accordingly. And, and you're right. I mean, this team is going to come down to how well Sam Howell plays. But that's why I said you wasted a major opportunity with him having a clean game, no fumbles, no interceptions, put up 30 points, and you still lose. And so that's why I started the show by saying, I think Jack Del Rio's got to be on the hot seat if the defensive performances continue to fail us continue to fail us they gave up the explosive plays left and right the last two weeks to buffalo and the philadelphia eagles now through four games sam uh sam Fortier points out some of the standouts and the number one has to be the offense coordinator eric Bieniemy. like i told you guys the offense had only scored 30 points once last year and that came because of a defensive score against the eagles well they put up 30 twice this year and the offense is averaging 20.8 points per game, tied for 16th in the NFL. That's a significant improvement from last season. The ceiling is higher, too. He points to the evidence, which is the 35 points in Week 2. That's the highest output Washington has had offensively since 2019, since before Ron Rivera was at the helm. Another standout, Montez Sweat. And I told you guys, I get sweaty for Montez Sweat. He's playing for the bag this season, and it looks like it. The impending free agent is setting himself up to get paid in a major way. He's arguably been the best player on the team. He ranks first or second in forced fumbles with two, sacks with three, tackles for loss with four, and pressures with 15. That's first or second in Washington. Brian Robinson Jr., major standout through the first four weeks. I think you've got to hand it to him often on Thursday night. The second-year running back has been mostly a between-the-tackle bruiser, but has flashed some unexpected explosiveness. He has more touches than any skill player with 66 and has turned eight of them into explosive plays, which they consider that of a run or 12 of a run of 12 or more yards and a catch of 16 or more. He's got eight explosive plays. That's why you have to feed him. The disappointments, Sam... 48 points to Jack Del Rio, and I totally agree. It's just so frustrating to see the scheme defensively feels like it's the same. And the defense, statistically, at the end of the last year was great. They were top 10 in almost every category. They weren't like that at the start of the season. And we talked all offseason about how they need to put an emphasis on the defense starting strong. And Jonathan Allen told the Junkies earlier this week, all offseason, they had an emphasis. The defense needs to start the season strong. Four weeks into the season, the defense has been a bigger nightmare than the offense. Another disappointment, the rookies, right? I mean, think about this. Emmanuel Forbes was drafted in the first round. Yes, he did have an interception against the Broncos. It looked bad against the Bills, looked even worse against the Eagles. 
A.J. Brown burned him twice with a double move. Now he's still young, and I'm not giving up on him. But then you look at your second-round pick, Quan Martin. He's yet to see a snap this season. Yes, he's dealing with injury, but Ron Rivera's telling reporters it's a struggle for Quan to get playing time because he's behind so many talented safeties, which begs the question, why did you draft a safety in the second round if you have so many other talented safeties? We needed help at the offensive line. Oh, we got two offensive linemen. I haven't heard much about Ricky Stromberg. I, I haven't heard anyone talking about Braden Daniels. You bring in Andrew Wiley. He's been hot garbage. But the biggest question to me, the biggest question for the commanders has to be, can Sam Howell continue to grow? Fortier says in the Washington Post, the quarterback's response to the Bills, uh, to the Bills meltdown suggests the answer is yes, he can continue to grow. He has, after every setback, remained confident and measured, and his teammates regard him as pretty much unflappable. There is some uncertainty, though. To grow, Howell will have to break some long-standing tendencies, such as taking a ton of sacks and all, not always protecting the ball when he runs and protecting his body. I, I totally, totally agree with that. I mean, he had that explosive run against the Bills, and he took a major hit, and he didn't look like he was the same after that hit. He took a humongous hit against the Cardinals. We can't let him continue to get hit, hit, hit after this. We're going to see Jacoby Brissett, right? And I don't want that to happen because I love watching this young quarterback shine, and he's so good when he's throwing the ball between the hash marks. And that was that big third down 17 pass to Byron Pringle, and then that big pass uh, there to get the touchdown to Jahan Dotson. Just such a laser. Uh, really good throw. And so, yeah, the biggest question is, can Sam Howell continue to grow? I believe he can. Thursday night is a big opportunity. It's his first primetime game. It's his first game in a short week. Can he turn it around? And if the offense puts up 24 points, I believe that'll be enough to defeat the Chicago Bears. 833-804-0910 if you want to chime in. 833-804-0910. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. It's a video I saw going around Twitter, so I just watched it. It's a recap of the Washington Redskins win in a thriller from 2013 against the Chicago Bears. And I noticed a familiar face in the highlights. That's Logan Paulson. He joins us right now on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. What's going on, Logan? Not much, man. You doing okay? Yeah, man. What do you remember about that 2013 game against the Bears? What do I remember? I remember covering a kick, and uh, Devin Hester was returning it, and Devin Hester was up for his record, I believe, in punt returns, and it was on that game. And for whatever reason, I was coming out the back there, and I was one of the last people out in the coverage, and he was he was the wall was all set up, and I said, "Well, I, Logan Paulson." will stop this kick from being returned. And I got over there before I could do anything. Somebody like blindsided me and I was my, you know, head above my butt on the ground. And, uh, and, uh, I was watching Devin Hester run for a touchdown. So I was on the field for that record setting touchdown. So pretty excited. <laughs> wow. How about that? Always fun to get you to go down memory lane. Uh, let's hear Logan's Four-week breakdown. You know, I like to take the uh, the NFL season one quarter at a time. What would be your first quarter season grade for the Commanders? You know, I, I feel pretty good about what the Commanders are doing. I'd probably give it a C-plus, I'm going to say. And I think, um, you know, offensively, I think they've done some really, really good things, things to get you excited. I think you feel good about Sam Howell's development 
and kind of his maturity, being able to handle some of the adversity. I think you see, especially in this last game, a nice maturity by EB in terms of kind of changing his play call approach and play call philosophy. I think that's pretty exciting. I think the O-line's gelling. I think they're getting better. So I think there's a lot of really good positive things to take away. You know, the adversity that they faced when they were in Denver, awesome to see them overcome that. Um, you know, I think they've had some really, really high spots that are kind of, uh, you know, complemented or supplemented by some low points. And I think that's why it's, you know, like a C, C plus instead of a, you know, B kind of a start to the season. Logan Paulson with us here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. NFL veteran for 10 years. Now you can check him out in the Washington football team post game show. Also the Take Command podcast alongside Craig Hoffman. Follow him on Instagram for some great content and analysis. Logan underscore Paulson 82. You know, being a former NFL player, what does it take to win on prime time? How is that different than other games? I mean, prime time is just, you know, everybody in the country is watching you, you know, and there is an element of that when you get ready. You know, you're under the lights. You don't play under the lights as often as you did, like in high school, for example. So it kind of takes you back to a simpler time. <laughs> and um, obviously, it, it's a lot of fun, a lot of pressure, a lot of excitement uh, in, in those moments. And um, it's an exciting opportunity to kind of make a statement about your team and yourself personally on a national stage, like you were saying, um, I do think Thursday night games are especially challenging because of the short turnaround. Obviously I'm not saying anything super insightful there, but I always found those really, really tough to kind of get mentally and physically prepared on the short week. There's been a lot of talk this week about Jack Del Rio's defense and the trend that went viral. A lot of people pointing out how the first four and five weeks of the season, every year he's been in Washington teams, given up almost 28 points a game. And then they turn it around the second half of the season or even the second, th- or the third and fourth quarter of the season. What do you think that's about, man? Well, I think this, uh, it's so hard to kind of look at that data on such a small sample size of four games this year specifically. Obviously, that's a trend that's been over. You know, last year that was the trend too. But I do think that when you look at this defense, I think they, they played pretty good against Arizona. I think they played pretty good against uh, the Broncos. Obviously, there were some late, kind of late in the game, big plays and explosives that they were able to find. But I think, I think the, the Bills game is one that's kind of an outlier to me because I actually thought the defense played pretty well despite the score. I think a lot of fans say, oh, it's 37-3 to or whatever the final score was. But, you know, it was 16-0 to going into, 16-0 going into the fourth quarter, and, yeah. you know, the offense had had three turnovers. So I, think, I thought they did some good stuff in that, in that game. This last game, I think, is even it kind of falls in the same bucket for me. I think they did a lot of really good stuff in the first half. And then really the difference between the first half and the second half is the explosive plays in the second half of that football game. Yeah. And obviously you got a young football player in Emmanuel Forbes kind of working his matchup against A.J. Brown. And he's going to get better. He's going to improve. And I thought he did some really competitive things in that game. But really in the NFL, that's the difference is four explosive plays in the second half or one right, one in the two-minute drive going into half and then three in the second half. You know, those are going to lead to points. Statistically, mathematically, those lead to points you know, over half of the time. So to me, that's the biggest difference. And again, like once you get Emmanuel Forbes playing the correct technique um, and eliminating some of those opportunities, I think this defense and those numbers, specifically in that Philly game, are going to look dramatically different. Logan Paulson with us here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. And Logan, you know I love having you on the show for your insight and analysis, but also you're not afraid to correct me. And you know a ton more about the NFL than I do. And I'm sitting here in the studio and I'm screaming on Monday, why the hell does Jack Del Rio not blitz more? And he always says, well, we have four first-round picks. They need to win. Why does he not blitz more, Logan? Can you correct me on this? 
Yeah, I mean, I do think uh, there is a lot of validity to what Jack is saying there. You got all this draft capital invested in the defensive line. You want those guys to win their matchups. And also in today's NFL, like with all the spread, all the empty stuff that you're seeing, like you need more guys in coverage. And when you're blitzing, you're exposing yourself to a risk, right? It's simple. It's simple math, right? If I'm playing two deep safeties, I can have five underneath coverage players. If I'm playing three deep safeties, I can have four underneath coverage players. If I'm blitzing, I lose one of those coverage players, and I create a soft spot in the defense that the offense can exploit. And it, those 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 voids are much easier to exploit when um, you, know, you know in empty situations because the quarterback can see them more reticently. So I do think he, you know maybe he can stand to blitz a little more to kind of. Um, you know, help free up, help create some different opportunities, some different looks for the defensive line. But ultimately, I understand that you invest a lot of money and draft capital in that position for a reason, and you expect them to win. I think when you look at Philadelphia, they're not like a super blitz-happy team because they're constructed in a very similar way. I think they blitz five times, five to seven times in the game. Like So it's not a big part of what they want to do either. They want to cover and let the defensive line win. And teams who have good defensive lines – that's what they do. You know, the Buffalo Bills, I know they brought a little bit of pressure in that game, but their D-line, they've got a lot of draft capital invested there as well. They're not going to blitz as much as the Seattle Seahawks, who notoriously have a hard time generating pass rush, or the New England, or the, the, uh, the New York Giants, who, you know, blitz almost 80, 80% of the time, like the Minnesota Vikings blitz a ton because they don't have a pass rush with four. So I would say that that's something that um, I think I agree and I think, you know, maybe just if you're looking for a little bit of diversity, like they do pressure, just, just not as much as I think fans would, would like. So, Yeah, good answer. Logan Paulson with us here. Follow him on social media at Logan underscore Paulson 82. One of the bright spots this season has to be the play of Brian Robinson Jr. He leads the team in explosive plays. Uh, you can throw it to him. You can hand it to him. He can go up the middle. He can go around the outside. It feels like we're seeing the guy that they drafted out of, out of Alabama. Do you feel like this is Brian Robinson at his best right now? No, I don't think he's at his best. I think he's going to continue to get better. I think he's a guy that um, is just kind of scratching the surface of what he can be. I think during mm-hmm. training camp uh, and near the end of last year, you saw some a player that I think uh, was war- warranted a higher draft position than it would, would, uh, what Washington gave him in the third round. Like He is a physical, talented guy, instinctive run- runner that is tough and smart as a runner. So. I think um, I think he's just going to continue to get better as this offense grows, as the passing game continues to mature, as the offensive line continues to gel. I think you're going to get a lot out of him, and he's a guy that I really believe could lead the team in all-purpose yards, no problem, and, and be you know kind of the MVP of the offense when the year is all said and done because of some of the stuff you're describing. He's an excellent football player, and I think he's only going to get better as the year goes on. What is Logan Paulson's breakdown and scouting report for the Chicago Bears and Justin Fields? Yeah, I mean, Justin Fields, I think, uh, you know, when you watch the first couple of games of the year, like, it's tough. Like, it's, it's, a, it's a tough offense to watch uh, because it just doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense in terms of speaking to Justin Fields' uh, skill set and what he does well. Um, but then I think when you watch the Denver game, you see an offense that is cultivated uh, and, and really built around what he does and kind of really trying hard to find easy throws and easy opportunities for Fields. And then um, supplementing some of that with quarterback runs and supplementing that with uh, kind of play-action pass shots and ways to find chunk plays. And I think the offense actually looked pretty efficient um, in, the, in the Denver game. And I think you kind of see shadows of what this offense can be in a perfect world. It really reminds me quite a bit of actually uh, 
this this Washington offense uh, in 2012 when Robert Griffin was at the helm. Like mm-hmm. we kind of knew who he was, or Kyle knew who he was, and knew how to best maximize him in the skill set and the roster that we had. And I think that they are kind of following a similar trajectory. And if you think about that 2012 team, you know, obviously fast start week one, we beat the New Orleans Saints, but then we kind of hit a little bit of a lull. Yeah. And then had our had a had a rally at the end of the year. And I think um, when you look at this team in in the Chicago Bears, they might be poised for a similar trajectory. Obviously, there's a ton of adversity over there in that organization, which might make that difficult. But I think if they can lean into what Fields does well, lean hard into it, they're going to be able to win games that they shouldn't win because he is a special athlete and he's very, very physically gifted. He doesn't see the field very well, but he's physically gifted. So I want to lean into that skill set as much as possible. So it'll be interesting to see what they do on Thursday night. If you're starting your own franchise today, though, are you taking Justin Fields or Sam Howell? I mean, uh, where are we picking? Are we picking in the first round? What are we doing here? You just have to pick between the two of them. I see what you're saying. Um, I'd probably go Sam Howell, honestly. I think um, Sam Howell has shown an ability to read NFL defenses. He's shown an ability to scramble and extend plays and elevate offense. Obviously, he's not a perfect football player by any stretch of the imagination. But I look at what he's done and compare it to what Justin Fields is doing, and I'd say like, the guy who's probably more likely to have a, a long-term career in the league at this moment, obviously it's a small sample size as well, four games for Sam Howell, is probably Sam Howell, just because the skill set seems more transferable to the NFL game, 100%. Great stuff, Logan. I appreciate it. Thanks, Adam. Appreciate you, buddy. Yep, you're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Your home for the Washington Commanders. Thursday night football can be heard right here on 910 The Fan with a two-hour pregame show and a two-hour postgame show, hopefully following a Commanders victory. We're also home for the Virginia Tech Hokies. And I did want to give a a major shout-out to Cowan Gates, huge supporters of Hokies and the Virginia Tech Athletics. And they're sending AWOD on the road once again. Back to Charlotte, North Carolina for the ACC tip-off. That's in just three weeks. Um, Love that they're sending me on that trip. We'll get some really good insight for the Virginia Tech men's basketball and the Lady Hokies going to try to defend and get back to the Final Four. It is time for the Cowan Gates Hokies update with bill roth what's going on bill good to be with you buddy how's everything in richmond today it's going well here how's the mood in blacksburg after that big win it was good to get a victory you know the uh, Hokies had lost three in a row it was the first time since 1992 were you around in 1992 i was born in 1992 (laughs) first time since 1992 the tech had lost three straight or actually had lost three non-conference games in the same season. Mm. So the the pit game was kind of a reset, right? It was yeah. the first conference game. And they clearly played their best game of the season, both sides of the ball. They were incredible offensively against the very good defense. And, you know, they, they gave up a couple of plays. Pittsburgh had two one-play scoring drives. But other than that, the defense was dynamite. Yeah, and Bill, our, our friends, Sons of Saturday, Virginia Tech, we love those guys and their content. They put a question out before the game, how many yards were Virginia Tech run for? <laughs> and as a joke, I said 199.99. They ended up with 199 yards rushing. You know, it's funny. If they don't take a knee there at the end of the game, it was 201. <laughs> wow. Isn't that funny? Yeah. You know, the uh, but you never know, right, because 
we came into this season saying how important it was to stay healthy, right? And mm-hmm. then drones, uh, Grant Wells gets hurt and drones has to come in. Then Ollie Jennings is out and then Lane gets hurt and Gallo, the tight end, is out. And so you have four of your captains aren't even playing out yeah. of six. And like, okay, and uh, it's still September. So, you know, you've got to put some younger people in there and it's learn on the job instead of kind of learn behind a guy who had been there. And against Pittsburgh, they, it all came together. Now, this Saturday afternoon down in Tallahassee, that's going to be a little bit of a different story, a better team, a top five team. But I'm excited to see how these guys will play. I think if there's a headline here, it's Virginia Tech found its offense yeah. last week. Do you think that the offensive line got going a little bit against Marshall? Because I, I think that kind of helped them out to get some confidence, and then they really played well against Pittsburgh. A little bit, but, you know, they changed things up. They did some triple option. Mm-hmm. They did um they they put their running back as a slot receiver and ran screens. They ran a flea flicker. They ran a double reverse pass. They went for it on fourth down twice. I mean they they kind of took a different approach to this game. I mean we haven't seen when I say the triple option, it's essentially what Jamie Chadwell, the new coach at Liberty, but but Chadwell had done down at Coastal Carolina, and that is. You know, the, the the ball comes back to drones. He can hand it off, or he can pitch it, or he can keep it, or he can throw it. And even the offensive coordinator, when the ball is snapped, doesn't know what the play is, right? Yeah. So and and so sometimes it's a fake pitch. Like they would take the shotgun back to drones. He fakes the shovel to the right and then goes back to the left. We've never seen that. That's like Georgia Tech, right? <laughs> Or he keeps it, and at 230 pounds, he's great. I mean, fourth and one, they use the old tush-push right. where they put a tight end right behind him at 250, drones is 230, and they slam him up the middle on fourth and a foot. Okay, that they hadn't done that this year. They were really struggling in third and short and fourth and short. So they changed their offense up a little bit. I, I like the idea of using Tootin not only as a running back but as a receiver. You know, he's listed as the starting tailback, and that is what he is. He is the tailback. But he may get 12 snaps a game as a receiver. He's still a tailback, but they're just lining him up. And 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 you can throw it to him over there. You can He can go out, or you can run those little screens that they did to him. And he's really good back in space. That's why I say I think the Hokies found their, found their offense a little bit. Yeah, the offensive line played better, but they weren't asked to do what they had been asked to do during the first few weeks of the season. And the Hokies are sitting at 1-0 and in conference play, undefeating the ACC. Got to feel good. And you mentioned Drone's size. I mean, he really does look the part, and he's gaining confidence, and, and that's what I'm excited about the rest of the season. Who would you give your offense and defensive player of the game to for the well, Hokies? Well, yeah, it's tough. I mean, Drones was the quarterback of the week in the ACC, and Tootin was the running back of the week in the mm. league. So I think they got to split it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh uh, you know, Drones had five was accounted accounted for nine, uh, five touchdowns against Pitt. That's only happened like six times at Virginia Tech, going back to two thousand. You know, like Lee Suggs did it, Brian Randall did it, Logan Thomas did it. Uh, you know, I, I'm trying to remember who the others. There was one other player, um, but anyway, uh, a Tyrod Taylor, and now Kyron Drones. So this weekend's going to be a tough one. It's the 38th meeting between Virginia Tech and Florida State with the Seminoles leading the all-time series. Uh, but at least the Hokies are coming off of a, a win here, so you've got some positive momentum. What's your breakdown of this game? 
Well, Florida State's coming off an open date, and they've only played one home game this year. They've had back-to-back games on the road, including that win at Clemson, in which they ended the Tigers' 25-game winning streak, conference winning streak at Death Valley, and they won that game in overtime. Uh, they're, they're a really, really explosive team. Uh, thanks to Jordan Travis and that offense, they're just great. And he's a 60-year guy. He's, you know, his statistics are very comparable to Chris Wanky and Jameis Winston at Florida State. And what do those two guys have in common? They both won the Heisman. Yeah. You know, he's, he's, he's got 30 touchdowns and 3,000 yards last year. And, you know, he's got a chance to do that again this year. They're, they're just brilliant. They're, you look for a weakness offensively, you can't find it. They're 17 for 17 in the red zone, right? I mean, they just don't mess things up. They're, they're really good. Um, you know, defensively, you know, Mike Burnup and I had a long talk about this on our Level 7 podcast. Mm-hmm. Defensively, okay, now Florida State has played LSU, Southern Miss, Clemson, and BC. Yeah. Okay, so they've played some, some decent teams, particularly Clemson on the road. Florida State is 98th in the country in defense. And so statistically, this is the worst defense Virginia Tech has played this year. Uh, that's wild because it was but, their defense that beat Clemson. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but, but that's that's why. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, they got like four NFL guys starting for them. It's, right. It's just this. It's who they've played. Mm-hmm. Right. And and so, but, you know, BC moved the ball on them. Um, you know, but LSU couldn't really in the second half. LSU got totally shut down in the second half. Clemson couldn't. So I think they're really good on defense, but I don't know that it's the 2000 Florida State Mickey Andrews defense. Uh, but uh, I think they're really good. I think they're they're a playoff contender for sure. You know, they're they've already got the the big win at Clemson. They they got a great great quarterback. They're veteran. You know, they've got uh, you know Travis is in his sixth year. They had 11 All-ACC players last year on this year's team. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're just they 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 brought they're bringing back 77 players out of 85 from last year's team. It's funny They've because done a great when, job in the portal. When we did the the season preview there in in Charlotte, North Carolina, all the hype was Florida State and I said I I don't believe it. This is still Clemson's ACC, but now I'm starting to see why everyone was all in on Florida State. Well, you know, I mean, that game went to overtime, so, you know, you were probably right. It could have gone either way, mm-hmm. right? Um, I, I think the ACC is good when Clemson and Florida State are both good, and that's what's good. I think the ACC is even better if, if Virginia Tech's really, really good in, in, that, in that conversation. And Miami is really, really good. And that's where we got to get the Hokies. You know, the last time Tech went down there, that, there weren't many people giving the Hokies a chance to win the game. And... It was at Tallahassee, and it was early in the season. It was in September, and the place was sold out. And it was a primetime game with Chris Fowler and Herb Street and the whole crowd, right? And you know, and there's eighty thousand people, and the Hokies won the game twenty-four to three. So that's the last time Tech went there mm. in in twenty eighteen. Um, now that wasn't, as we know, looking back, a great Florida State team. This one is, but I mean, Tech has beaten Florida State three of the last five. So I think that, you know, from a they're not going to be intimidated by going down there, but right. they have to play great. And Bill's going to stick around for another segment. You're listening to the Cowan Gates Hokies Update on AWOD Radio. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Your home for 
The undefeated in the ACC, Virginia Tech Hokies. Feels good to say that. Feel good for Coach Pry for, for getting that win. I, I love the video of him thanking all the fans, and it looked great on TV as they got a home victory. It is time for the Cowan Gates Hokies update with Bill Roth. Bill, thanks for sticking around for another segment. You bet. I'm excited. There's nothing better than a Virginia Tech-Florida State game, usually when the stakes are really high, like we've played in the ACC championship game twice against each other, once in Jacksonville and once in Charlotte. Hokies won the game in Charlotte. The Knolls won the game in, in Jacksonville. Um, the national championship game in 2000 they played. And then uh, the Gator Bowl, I guess, the following year, right? Two years later, Tech played uh, FSU. So there have been some big games. And I like the atmosphere they have. I like the atmosphere we have. And so it's it's always a fun game. Uh, there's... Uh, uh, a lot on the line when they play ordinarily, and that's certainly the case this week for FSU if they want to make the playoff. Bill, we talked last segment a lot about Kyron Drones and how I'm impressed with his size and strength running and throwing the ball. Is there an update on Grant Wells' injury? Officially, he it, it still says Drones or Wells on the, on, the, on the list, but that's what it says each week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I... I I don't know why that continues to be the case. You know, Grant was not ready to play the last couple of weeks, uh, but we'll, we'll see how he does today. It's Wednesday. We'll see how he does in practice this afternoon and what he can do. But even if he could go, I have a hunch that, that it's going to be drones uh, as QB1. This is the Cowan Gates Hokies update with Bill Roth. He's the play-by-play voice of the Virginia Tech Hokies. And I tweeted this, Hokies fans, if you have any questions for Bill, let me know and we'll ask him right now. And we do have a question from Frank in Mechanicsville, Bill. He says, is the disconnect on defense attributed to Marv calling the defense for the first time? We played better but still let up huge plays. We can't do that this weekend. Well, the first big play, I think it goes back to – so when Nasir Peoples was out and, and he's been hurt, I think when you lose your safety back there, they've, they've tried some different things. Mm-hmm. And this past week against Pitt, again, they played Mansoor Delane, who's technically a corner, right? He was all-freshman corner in our league last year. They moved him to safety, and it was a bust. You know, you that and, and that's one of those plays where you give Kurt Signetti – by the way, his brother's the coach at JMU. Kurt's the offensive coordinator at Pitt, and you give him credit. They ran three smash plays in a row, right? And then on the fourth play, they went play action and threw hit a 75-yard pass. Um, they hit another big play on a screen later when a kid whiffed. You know, you got to get the kid on the ground, not go for the kill shot, as the coaches say. But they only allowed eight first downs for the entire game. So I think, you know... You've got to be really happy. If, if you can hold teams to, you know, eight first downs and they, you know, under 100 yards rushing, that's a good defensive game. But it's, it's a legitimate question about the back end because this week, this is the best passing team by far yeah. that the Hokies have seen. You know, you know. Pitt Jerkovic didn't have the night, and he's not the kind of quarterback Travis is. And nobody else, I mean, Old Dominion ran a spread. They ran their quarterback over and over. Marshall and Rutgers don't have quarterbacks like this. So this is a totally different challenge for that secondary, totally different. And that's why it would be really good to have people's back so you could move the lane back to the corner. 
because Florida State's receivers are so good. And and that's what that's what you see. Like if you watch the LSU game, LSU's got dudes up front. They get a pass rush. The play is covered well, and Florida State still makes the play and moves the sticks. And that's that's what you get when you play Florida State, right? And and as a defensive coordinator, you can do everything right and they still make the play. And I think what what coach has talked about this week is just don't give up the big one. Make make them snap it twelve times in a row if they have to, but don't give them a, don't give them a seventy five yard play on one on one snap. Yeah, I think one thing that's going to be key, and Hokies fans are probably paying attention to, is the fact that the last two games, first drive of the game, all the way for a touchdown, Florida State has actually done that seven of their last eight games. So it's going to come down to hey, opening drive, defense has got to be ready to play, and offense, same thing. Yeah, I think, in fact, we talked about that earlier, Mike Burnup and I on our podcast as well. Like, Florida State's only played one home game this year, and their fans are itching to see their team play. Yeah. And it's a 3-30 game, meaning they're they're probably already tailgating down there, right? And there's going to be over 81,000 people there, and the weather's going to be good. It's going to be one of those typical steamy Florida day. It's still summertime down there, okay? So... You know what I mean? It, it's it, it's going to be wild and crazy, and you got to be ready to go from the tip from the from the from the coin toss, because the the but between the tomahawk chop and the band and the war chant, they're going to be ready to play. And so, yeah, you're exactly right. The Hokies got to be ready too. Like that 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 opening kickoff. If if you're if you're returning the kick, those dudes coming down the hill the downfield the other way with the, with the spear on the helmet, they're coming to get you. And if they get the ball to start the game, they're going to try to score on the first play. <laughs> so I think you got to know what's happening here and, and, and what you're getting into down there. And, and we've been there enough times to know what it's about. And I'm looking forward to it. I know our players are looking forward to it. And, you know, like I said, the last time it was the same exact thing. Last time the Hokies walked on that field and they won 24-3. to Bill, we said we were going to mention a little bit about the basketball season upcoming. I'm really excited for uh, the women, the Lady Hokies here. Uh, bring back Elizabeth Kitley, Georgia Amor. should be a ton of fun. Give me a little preview for the men's basketball team. Well, both teams should be really good. I mean, the women clearly could be a Final Four team, and we'll see where they're picked in the ACC. They may be picked to win it again. Yeah, I think on the men's side, Coach Pry, uh, <laughs> Coach Young had his press <laughs> conference with Coach Pry yesterday. They went back-to-back. Uh, Coach Young talked about defense, and he said our first six practices were basically just about defense. Because if you looked last year, like the game at UVA or the game at Notre Dame or you know the the game at NC State in the ACC tournament, um, even the game against Boston College, Tech they just didn't defend. And you know when they were hitting their threes, they were winning, but the defense wasn't always there. And so that was kind of his focus coming into this practice, preseason practice, to work on the defense. They've got experience backcourt. You could make the argument, ready for this one, that the Tech might have the best backcourt in the conference. Now, there's probably four teams that can make that statement. Yeah. But Mike Young might be able to do that. But they got to stay healthy. You know, last year Rodney Rice was hurt and Hunter Couture got hurt and MJ Collins broke his nose i mean so they, they've got to stay healthy which every coach says that right in the first week of october but i like their guards and and they've, they've got a shot the league will be great as always but I, I i think the Hokies are an ncaa tournament team for sure 
Bill, always appreciate you taking the time, man. Thanks so much. We'll talk with you on Saturday, 1.30 from uh, uh, Leon County, Florida. Love that. Right here on 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Phone lines are open if you want to chime in. It's 833-804-0910, 833-804-0910. Stubb, we should mention that everybody's phone is going to get some kind of alarm at 2.20 p.m. You were telling me a little bit about this. Yeah, and it's going to hit radio and TV as well. Oh, really? Yeah. And this I, I, is just like a, a national test for an, the emergency yep, system? just a national test. Is this no. a test for aliens? I mean, like, what are we testing for here, honestly? I, I mean, you know, I, I'm sure it's just anything. Aliens would be top of my list. There's a lot of fear going around with this, too. Don't look on social media. A lot of people are scared about what this test means. <laughs> All right, and I'm not going to dive into that or the disinformation around 5G, but I do think it's interesting that they're doing this test at 220. You know what I would have liked? How about at 222, right? Let's do it at 222, right? Just like the commanders. 2222, we are the commanders. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio on the fan. Don't go anywhere. Don't change that dial. I'll be right back.